Welcome to Tits Up. When things go tits up, they're broken. Tits up can also mean brave up and get on with it. This is what we do as mothers. When things are broken, we pull up our big girl pants and we wade through the muck. Our sponsor for this episode of Tits Up is Designer Bums. Gorgeous, hand-illustrated, modern, reusable cloth nappies. Working with large corporations, mostly in the resources sector, helping them reduce their um, emissions on the environment and impact on the environment. And I was going into people's homes um, as a sustainability auditor, helping them reduce their energy and water use. Oh, we were. I was pregnant and going on maternity leave. If I was to return after maternity leave, it would be full-time only. But it happened to a lot of my friends as well at that time. So um, a lot of really talented female engineers were lost to their profession. I found that I was loving educating uh, parents on how to parent their children and babies with the environment in mind. You know, the climate crisis is so urgent. I'm really wanting to be a part in that technical aspect of um Get having that impact as well, balancing it with my um, education, which I find a lot more creative and you know really is my my sole work in terms of helping the everyday person. Hello and welcome to Tips Up. Our guest today is Laura Trotter, and we're discussing sustainability in the suburbs and how we can all make a difference. Laura is one of Australia's leading sustainable living educators and has won numerous regional and national awards for her fresh and inspiring take on living an eco-sectional life. Oh, I love that term. A passionate believer in addressing the small things to achieve big change and protecting the planet in practical ways. Laura has inspired and educated tens of thousands to adopt a greener lifestyle through her popular EcoChat podcast and award-winning sustainable living programs. Using her professional expertise as an environmental engineer with the down-to-earth pragmatism that comes from being a busy mum, Laura is an eco-thought leader who's not afraid to challenge the status quo. Welcome, Laura. And I'm really excited, um, you know, to be chatting to you about all things sustainability and how we can all make a difference to this precious planet in our day-to-day lives. I've been following Laura for a long time. So welcome, Laura. Oh, thanks, Mickey. I've been following too. I think it's been a bit of a mutual girl crush, but I'm so, so, <laughs> so thrilled to be on your podcast chatting sustainability. So first, how did you embark on this journey as a sustainable living educator? Where did yeah, it start? It's, uh, you know, I think I, I think I was born with a green heart. Um, I was one of those kids of the 80s that um, I was an analog kid. So growing up outdoors, I uh, was a brownie guide, girl guide, lots of holidays in, um, you know, Victoria's beautiful high country and Gippsland Lakes. So from a very young age, I developed a, a strong connection to our environment. And I, I could see too from a young age the impact humans were having. So through my, um, you know, come later school, science and maths was where I was um, doing really well at school and it kind of led me to study environmental engineering. So I went into the corporate world and really heavy industry for um, the first 11 years uh, outside university, working with large corporations, mostly in the resources sector, helping them reduce their um, emissions on the environment and impact on the environment. But it's really interesting because when I was working in corporate back then, before I was married and with kids, I was still volunteering in my local community as a sustainability educator. And I was going into people's homes um, as an sustainability auditor, helping them reduce their energy and water use. And I was also on the town's environment forum doing education um, programs in town. So this was like in the early 2000s. And then my life took a big change when uh, I became a mum. And at the time I was working in one of the largest industrial sites in Australia, in remote South Australia, the town of Roxby Downs, um, as a senior engineer. And um, oh, we were pre- I was pregnant and going on maternity leave. But, you know, this was 2009, but I was in a very heavily male-dominated profession and there was really no mums ahead of me up in the hierarchy at work for this very large resources company. And um, I was told to me by my boss, my boss's boss, and even 
the, the chap in charge of the whole operation that employed 3,000 people or so that um, if I was to return after maternity leave, it would be full-time only. You're a senior engineer, that's a full-time role. Um, but essentially, uh, we could offer you a contract admin role. It's a full-time role as well. But with your organisation skills and intelligence, you'll be able to do it in two days a week. But essentially, you can't work as an engineer. And I thought, you know, <laughs> I don't want to do that. And I'd worked, it was, um, but it happened to a lot of my friends as well at that time. So um, a lot of really talented female engineers were lost to their profession, but it spurred me on to um, create my first sustainability business called Sustainer Baby. And that was really led because I was living in remote Australia, um, trying to source eco-friendly products for my new baby. And really there was not that one location where you could get them from. So I created that business and ran it for six years, but it wasn't necessarily the retail aspect of the business I loved the most. I found that I was loving educating uh, parents on how to parent their children and babies with the environment in mind. So I guess that's where it started. And then it led on to starting my podcast and starting my online programs and eventually sold the retail business and focused more in education. And these days I still run my podcast, um, writing a book, and I'm back working as an environmental engineer in a part-time capacity just because I just love that technical aspect of it. And, you know, the climate crisis is so urgent. I'm really wanting to be a part in that technical aspect of um get having that impact as well, balancing it with my um, education, which I find a lot more creative and, you know, really is my my sole work in terms of helping the everyday person uh, understand how they're impacting the environment and also uh, understand what they can do to reduce their impact. So that's it in a nutshell. It's really been my whole life. I can't think of anything else that I'd rather be doing. Um, it's my how good is work. that though that you can follow your passion and you can be creative about it and you can do uh, you know you're still being a mum and involved with your kids and doing all those other things and working in the community and doing your your big stuff as an engineer yeah, yeah. yeah. that's so, great I mean it's yeah. not always easy to balance it and I don't always get it right but you know I've become a lot kinder with myself over the years with that you know it could be messy life is messy it's yeah. up. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, the big topic is, of course, right now is climate change. So tell us what it is, what's happening and why it is so urgent to act. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before I get into what it is in the science, I just, um, I was doing a bit of decluttering in my home and I found a, a school assignment I did in about uh, year six or year seven. So I was about 11 years old. And the, it was a looking into your family history. And I had to interview my two grandmas. My grandfathers died when they were young. So, I, you know, I was interviewing my grandmas in their 70s and getting their life story and what their childhood was like. And the conclusion to this family history assignment as an 11-year-old girl was that I would have preferred to live in my grandmother's time because I wouldn't be worried about the world exploding on me. I was referring Aww. to climate change. Yeah. And this this was 1989. So I actually remember learning about it in school in about year five because I remember my year five teacher teaching us all about it and just being really, if this is happening, why don't we do anything about it? So the obviously the big thing in that 1980s was all about the ozone layer and chlorofluorocarbons mm. and, you know, cans of de- aerosols and things that were creating the, um, the hole in the ozone layer. Uh, but we were also starting to learn a lot about the greenhouse effect then. And what climate change really is, it's just about humans changing the climate because we've been burning fossil fuels really for about the last 150 years at increasing rates every year. And when we burn fossil fuels like oil, gas um, and coal, they release what's called these greenhouse gases, so carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, and others as well, even water vapour. But these gases, they basically accumulate in our atmosphere and they create an insulating blanket. So they can um, absorb infrared radiation from the sun and they just it's just like putting an extra blanket on and then putting another extra blanket on and you're getting warmer and warmer and the earth is getting warmer. So basically this layer of gases in our atmosphere 
uh, are absorbing heat. And in doing so, changing the weather patterns around our world. So different parts of the world are warming at different rates than others. Uh, our poles, so North and South Pole, have got the biggest changes. So there's days now in Antarctica that are in the 20 degrees. The North Pole are even having some, you know, like in Siberia, they're having heat waves and bushfires in, you know, the Arctic regions of Canada and things in the last few years. So it's really changing our weather patterns around the world. Um, so, I mean, that's what climate change is. Um, it's, it's happening because we're releasing greenhouse gases. That's creating this insulating effect. The impacts are, are, are huge. And to be honest, as, as humans, we probably don't know what all the impacts are going to be because we don't know what we don't know. That's, that's the science. But we do know what's happening now and we do know what thousands of scientists, of climate scientists around the world are projecting what will continue to happen if we don't take urgent action. So what's happening now, we're seeing a lot more extreme weather events um, I know you've got a large listenership in Australia. Um, just this year, or the last couple of years in Australia, like we've had bushfires after bushfires, that black black um, summer of um, 2019-20 uh, uh, with bushfires burning in every state, bushfires burning in areas that um, aren't supposed to burn. So in the temperate regions of Tasmania, in the hinterlands of, of um, southern Queensland, in rainforests. And of course, the floods. So the extreme weather events, it's not that we've never had these events. It's just that they're becoming more frequent. So we've just had Lismore flood twice in a month. And both of those floods would have previously been classified as like a one in 100 event. But we mm. hasn't just happened yeah. once in 100 years. We've had two in one month. So this, these are the impacts that are happening now. We're getting more extreme weather conditions. We're going to have more extreme droughts less rain overall but when the rain comes the intensity of the rain is um it can be up to 25 percent more intense than what we've seen before uh less cyclones but more intense cyclones so these category five storms that again might be one in a hundred years going over the coast every 10 years or things like that so the the impact on our just on our infrastructure, on our homes, on our cities. You know, we had the major freeway in South Australia cut from Adelaide to Alice Springs, and earlier this year because of floods, like just washing out. Um, yes, it's just so the impact on our infrastructure is huge. There's going to be a, many homes that aren't going to be able to be insure, uh, are just non-insurable in future, and um, but the impact on our on our food systems. And of course, um, our, our food chains and the way in which we farm and grow food, but the really big impact on our biodiversity. And we're, you know, we're on our sixth mass extinction event right now in the whole of the whole of the um, however long the, the earth's been going for. Uh, the dinosaurs were like the last one when they were wiped out. And, um, you know, scientists are calling right at the moment. We're in the Anthropocene, the, the age of the humans and uh, humans are calling causing this six mass extinction rate and Australia is at the forefront of um losing a lot of our biodiversity um you know koalas were common 20 years ago and now they're on the endangered list so there's lots of lots at stake if we don't get um climate change right and and it is scary but there's also um it's a great challenge it's the biggest challenge of our generation and you know We've got the solutions right now. We just need to roll out those solutions and everyone has a role to play in that. Right. So I guess one of the big things, when you mentioned that you're an 11-year-old and you became anxious about this, yeah. how do our kids, I mean, you've got two kids, haven't you? Yep. How do you, how do you talk to the children? Yeah, really good question. And um, I do have some, some thoughts on this and I've shared my views on this as well uh, because eco in anxiety is is a condition you know um, it is I've seen kids and I think it was yeah. Lennon Doyle her you know I listened to one of her podcasts or read her book and they were talking she was talking about how one of her daughters came home from school and was really worried about the polar bears and yeah. she just couldn't get that out of her head I mean it was the yeah. polar bears and the polar bears and the polar bears and you know I've got friends with little kids or grandkids who are really worried about yeah. climate change first of all my, my first um, thing I want to say about that it's um it's not kids responsibility right now to solve it you know adults no. 
adults have a role to play in that. So I think the school strike for climate movement has been amazing and it's given our younger generations a voice. But um, I'll just share what happened. It was in the, the big climate marches in, again, it was 2019 and they came to Adelaide and, and I was going and I my kids were nine and seven at that time. My seven-year-old, not so much aware, but my nine-year-old is very um, is very empathetic, very caring kid. And he's really aware of the environment. And he sees what I do to reduce the impact on the environment. He's always asking questions. And I say, I'm going to the student climate march and it's for climate change. And I, I think I just said to him, do, do you want to come along? And he's like, of course I'm there. And then his school um, put an entire school excursion on that day to celebrate their 60th birthday or something like that. And then that came up and he looked at me, he goes, oh, the school's put an excursion on. So this is my nine-year-old boy. And um, I just said, oh, what, which one do you want to go to? I said, you know, I'll give you the choice. And he said, um, he basically couldn't choose. He goes, I know the climate march is more important, mum, but I can't choose. I said, that's okay. I'll make the decision. You're going to the school excursion. I'll go to the climate march. Um, the sign that you've just helped me make, I'll carry that on your behalf. So your voice is heard. And he was really happy with that. And he went off to school like a nine-year-old should. And yeah. I went and marched for him. And there were many parents and many grandparents at that march. There was lots of um, kids there as well. But I just thought, why why give him that burden? It's not his mm, burden be a kid. to fix. He's yeah. a kid. Just be a kid. I was a kid. You be your kid. And I'm going to do my best to um to reduce the impact. So, you know, you don't have to do that. You don't have to worry about that just yet. But some other kids thrive on um, having their voice and joining that movement. It's, it's linked them up with other kids who are feeling exactly the same and pulled them out of that despair. So, again, I don't think either of my kids are in despair. I try and shelter them. but I, And I keep telling them, this is an adult problem. Adults are working on this. And I say, there's, mm-hmm. there's tens of thousands of scientists and engineers and entrepreneurs in the world right now working on the solutions for this. We've got the solutions. We're just waiting for our politics to catch up, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's happening too. Um, yes. So, yeah, that, that's my response to that. It's just, um, you know, it doesn't all have, it, it shouldn't be on the kids. Um, and if your kids do want to come in the ra- walk on the rallies and things like that, for sure, get them involved. But make it make it very clear to them that adults are working on this as well, and and it's not them alone. Mm, yeah, and they shouldn't have to be terrified that the world's going to end in their time, or you know, the world soon. Or the world's going like to go that. on. The world will survive. Yes. Um, yeah. It will just be a very different. Even now, like if we stopped emitting greenhouse gases right today, our climate is still going to deteriorate for many years to come because of the the gases that are already in our atmosphere. So it's, it's, someone actually said the other day, it's going to get worse before it gets worse. That's, that's depressing. <laughs> I wouldn't say that to you. That kids. is depressing. No. We're going to, it's going to keep changing, but you know, and there's going to be some more losses, which are going to be heartbreaking uh, in terms of biodiversity and, and natural environments. But at the same time, it's going to swing around. There is going to be regeneration. Many, even many corporates, some of the corporate companies that, in the past would have had a track record of degrading the environment and now looking to become what's called nature positive. Um, BHP is one of those companies now. They've got very strong targets to be nature positive, so reclaiming much more land than that they've ever impacted. So the moves are happening and it it is taking some time, but the urgency is there, which um, comes back to me, the last part of your question, you said, why is it so urgent to act? And that's because um, the science tells us that it is urgent and I'm talking thousands of scientists um, on many peer-reviewed studies all around the world are saying um, 20 there's two dates that people need to have in mind the one is 2050 by 2050 we have had to essentially stopped emitting greenhouse gases or stopped emitting more greenhouse gases than what the natural world can absorb so that's effectively what's called net zero we need to be net zero by 2050 but even more important is early action. We need to be at least halfway there before 2030 to even have a chance to reach that 2050 target. 
So that 2030 target of 50% of reducing greenhouse gas um, emissions, um, and that's what the Paris Agreement signed up to and things like that, and that's where Australian politics has really lagged. We still don't have a national 50% uh, policy. The Labor government that just got in have campaigned on a 43% 2030 target, but 50% is where it's at. That's where a lot of the independent candidates and the and the Greens were campaigning for. Um, that's where we need to be to have any chance to reach that 2050 net zero. And we need to hit 2050 zero to really stave off the most catastrophic um, effects of climate change that are, that are really hard to even get our head around because... Um, we don't experience them in our day-to-day life. We're getting snapshots of them now with the floods and the bushfires and, you know, that thick blanket of smoke over Sydney for two months where anyone with asthma couldn't breathe. Um, there were more deaths from smoke in that Black Saturday, Black Summer um, bushfire event than there were um, by direct um, impacts from the bushfire. So, you know. Yeah, those and 2030 impacts. is not that far away, is it really? No. When you think about it, it just flies. It's I mean, if not. you're a mum with little kids and you think where you were eight years ago. It is. It's, now It's not that far. But I do want to give a message of hope because there are there are beacons of, um, you know, really great things going around that an everyday person doesn't see. So one of the, the biggest things that needs to happen is for our, our electricity grid to be what's called decarbonised, so get off fossil fuels. So we've already got, um, I'll talk about the state I live in in South Australia at the moment. We've got days in Australia that, in South Australia, that are 100% run on solar power alone, not even the wind farms that we've got many of. So we're hitting increasingly num- increasing numbers of days in South Australia that the whole state is run off renewable energy. Um, that wasn't happening 10 years ago. In 2016, we had a statewide power outage when our, you know, our, electric, our power system went down um, just a few months after the last coal-fired power station turned off. So it's been a bit of a rocky road to get here. Um, incidentally, that power outage wasn't caused by that. It was caused by a big climate event, a storm that, you know, knocked out this, um, the circuit. But essentially, um, South Australia's grid is now about 65% decarbonised. Uh, they're um, projecting it will be 100% by, by 2030 and 500% by 2050. So South Australia will be exporting renewable energy, um, not just interstate, but overseas as well. Um, There's a big interconnector being built right now to export renewable energy from South Australia to New South Wales. So there's, you know, there's so so much good happening. And those stories don't necessarily make it in the news. You know, the the doom and gloom is always in the articles. It always gets more readers and more... Yeah, yeah, more gossip and more clickbait and everything. Absolutely. To, yeah, so we need happening. some happy stuff. It's happening and it's happening in South Australia and other states now uh, who probably ridiculed South Australia five years ago in that power outage are now working hard to get their own batteries installed because South Australia's also got what's called this big battery that helps to regulate the peaks and troughs um, and that came out of that power outage, um, Elon, of course, all the, the state and federal politic arguments caught the attention of Elon Musk and um, Mike Cannon-Brooks, a big entrepreneur in Australia, who's just, he's now the lead share, shareholder in AGL. So he's um, caught, ruffled some feathers this last week. But um, Mike Cannon-Brooks made a bet with Elon Musk that, um, yeah, if he, basically, if he couldn't build this big battery, in, oh, something ridiculous, like might've even been 50 days or something, um, the battery would be free. So Tesla would, donate the battery to South Australia. Anyway, Tesla got it all built and up and running. And by December that year, um, yeah, South Australia had the big battery and the, the blackouts and have been no more. And it's it's helped just really lift up the renewable thing. So exciting things are happening as well. That's great. Now, yeah. back to us, us, absolutely, you know, little people in our own homes, everyday yes. people. Now, one of the things I do love about you is that how you're totally realistic. You know, as a mum yourself, you get it. You know how life goes tits up. And you know that we're, you know, we're trying really hard as mums to do all the things, you know, school runs, doctor's visits, all those things that you already did this morning before you even came on here to talk. And we need to give ourselves some grace. I mean, you know, I love your motto that perfection isn't sustainable and it sure as hell isn't whatever we see on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So what can time poor families, mums especially do to help? You know, what are some small actionable just realistic tips 
Yeah, I got so much of this and this is where I thrive the most. Um, First of all, I just want to say mums have more power than they think. Absolutely. And in lots of ways. Um, First of all, um, you know, First way, we we still tend to make most of the decisions about how money is spent into households and where we spend our money today creates the future of tomorrow. So if we're buying lots of items, lots of toys, lots of gadgets, um, lots of processed foods, well, then the waste associated with that is creating the waste of tomorrow. So some general tips um, are really to opt for reusable items over single-use items. And when you're parenting young kids, the most obvious one here is nappies. Um, And I I was a cloth nappy user for my own kids and and lover and advocate for cloth nappies. And I I still really recommend cloth nappies, particularly when you live in climates in Australia that are quite dry and you can dry them very quickly. Um, But even renting and not buying items, there there was a blog post I wrote many years back. It was like 13 baby items you don't need. And uh, it got a lot of conversations happening because I was even saying things like you don't need a baby bath, you know, wash your baby in the sink. You know, most Mm -hmm. people will only use a baby bath for maybe two or three months and it's taking up the whole bathroom and they've got a hose to drain it back to the bath. And it's just a, you know, if you're going to buy anything, get a bath seat, Um, you know, that you can reuse or, you know, the sharing of the items, buying the secondhand items, not always buying the new now, obviously, for safety reasons, um, baby car seat carriers and, and even cots, um, we're wanting probably more new ones to keep up with the standards that do change over time. But for, for many other items, you know, clothes and toys, um, secondhand is fine. And most of the time, you can even go to a, a, an op shop and half the baby clothes are still new because when I was remember remember when I was first mum, I was gifted more clothes than my baby could even wear. Like even if I changed them four times a day, they, you know, they wouldn't go through all their new clothes. I think I was particularly given like so many in like triple zero size. And it's like he was only triple zero for like three weeks. Like that was when he had this massive growth spurt. So going for reusable items, looking for to not always buy the new or even renting items as well is good as well. But again, getting back to mums, we we also make the decisions of what to purchase in the family. And a lot of that comes down to food as well and choosing to eat fresh foods, whole foods, foods that are in season, foods that are grown or produced locally, that makes a big impact as well. So Because if we're eating a diet high in processed foods, it's not just great for our, it's not just, detrimental to our health and health of our families it's we've got a lot of food miles and and transportation and refrigeration of foods generates use you know emits a lot of greenhouse gases and obviously that these foods are produced in labs so eating whole food as much as possible is 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 great Australia's leading retailer of gorgeous modern cloth nappies, Designer Bums embraces the mindful parenting practice of being gentle on the earth while still being the leader in stylish designer cloth nappies and parenting essentials. Featuring organic and premium fabrics, the exclusive signature artwork and thoughtful touches provide the best in design while being versatile, unique and sustainable. Designer Bum nappies are available in three sizes. One size fits most, supports families from birth to toilet training. Littles are a newborn option for premature and smaller babies. And larges provide support for those taking a little longer to toilet train or overnight use. All of these reusable nappies come with premium custom milled bamboo inserts and a water resistant outer shell that features unique and exclusive artist designs. This is everything you need to take your little one through to toilet training. Designer bums take the guesswork out of it for you with their easy-to-use nappies and handy FAQ. Enjoy Designer Bums' range of luxurious modern cloth nappies, bags, bedding, bibs, playmats, and so much. And get a generous 25% discount off the full range. That's a sponsor discount for this podcast tips up. 
Check out the full range, including all of their parenting essentials at www.designerbums.com.au and use the code PINKY25, that's P-I-N-K-Y 25, to receive this generous 25% discount. This code entitles customers to 25% off until December the 31st, 2022. Can't be used in conjunction with any other offer and one use per customer. So go to www.designerbums.com.au, use the code PINKY25 and get this generous 25% discount. Even getting to babies, and I know you're an advocate for baby lead weaning as well, Pinky, and that's great too because then you, if your kids are just eating um, some vegetables or some bits of what you're eating off your plate and that's just their food, you then don't have the, the squidgy packets or the jars or, you know, this mm. whole baby food market, so much of it is not necessary. It's just generating all this waste when our babies yeah. and toddlers are best just on growing on our, on, our, on our food. And, of course, Breastfeeding has another huge part to play in that as well. And I do acknowledge that it's not possible for everyone, but where you can breastfeed, that's, again, that's just, it's zero waste food for your baby and very nutritious as well. So there's lots of decisions about that, but it really is having that, you know, that mindset. Um, I, I, I also say single use sucks. So really avoiding single use items. Um, looking for buying quality over quantity and just um, buying real food, not processed food. Simple things like that can have a, have a big impact. Um, there's, that's just for mums with young kids. Of course, when if you've got a bit more bandwidth, there's a lot more that you can do, like, you know, changing your super into ethical super, uh, becoming more active. But we all have a vote. Um, you know, women definitely had a say in this last election and, and we've, you know, swung, swung the balance of power to, to um, I guess, MPs and governments and independents that are really going to advocate for the climate as well. So don't, don't, don't underestimate the power that you have. Yeah. Mm. And when you say, you know, secondhand stuff, I bought some, a bag of fantastic Duplo which Duplo mm. is fantastic. I know it's plastic, but it's just recycled um, yeah. at the op shop last week for my grandson and $5. And I've got this massive yeah. plastic bag full of Duplo and it's the real Duplo. It's not, you know, the fake Duplo. It's yeah. real and things like that. And, you know, if you're going out with your kids, you know, um, I guess because I had my kids before, there were all these jars of food. Um, although once I did win a competition in a magazine for um, everything you need for your new baby. And of course, one of the sponsors was some baby food company. Yeah. Well, my daughter, who was about three, thought it was the best thing ever. She took all these little jars outside. I found her outside with about six jars of food and a teaspoon. And she put out a picnic blanket, you know, a doll's blanket on the ground. She was having a picnic. Well, they'd all been open. She'd had a teaspoon of each one and said, they're all yuck. And yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. But, you know, I just chuck a banana in my bag because a baby who can eat food can eat a banana. And that's got no plastic or no waste. Um, yeah, and I get a food, well, during pandemic, I found a food delivery here in Melbourne where it's all just local produce, just like the farmer's market, but they just yeah. drop it off at your home. And, you know, that's, and it's all in cardboard boxes that you can recycle. So, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes it's just those tiny little things, it you is. know, that, that make a difference. You sort of feel, okay, I'm doing a little bit. I'm not doing a lot, but I'm doing a little bit. No, also yeah. order. Who gives and, a crap toilet paper? And it's all wrapped in paper. There's no plastic. And yeah. the profits from that go to building toilets in third world countries. So I think, you know, it's just yeah. small actions that make that difference. The tiny things add up so much. And um, your Duplo just um, reminded me of a couple other things to share too. So often with the mums and we're doing activities with our kids too, uh, community libraries and even mm. toy libraries are so beneficial that you just... You know, we don't want to be in that mindset that you have to buy everything. To toy libraries were brilliant for my, my second son. He was a real puzzle nerd and he'd just smash through jigsaw puzzles. And I would get a collection each week from the toy library. He'd do them a few times. And then the next week I'd just drop them back and get some more jigsaw puzzles. I had this never-ending supply of jigsaw puzzles, but I didn't have to store them at home. I didn't have to buy them. 
I didn't mm. then have to toss them out two years later when it outgrown them or move them on. Mm. No, looking after our stuff takes so much time and energy um, and moving it on as well. So libraries are, and toy libraries are worth their weight in gold. Yeah, and even around friends and family. My daughter's um, works with my daughter-in-law. They'll share, you know, sons, one's older than the other, so they'll pass the clothes around yep. and then, you know, the clothes will go back and then they'll go to some friends. So they all just go round and around and around this group of mums, which are great. You know, they're yep. just sharing the clothes and passing them on. I mean, as well as dropping stuff off at the op shop, but, you know, just yep. passing them around the family is something that that we can all do rather than getting lots more and when you think of baby equipment there is so many containers that you don't need a clean floor and a rug is probably or you know a nice thick floor mat is probably enough for most young babies and they'll learn more because they'll be exploring their bodies they'll be rolling and moving and it's all good for them whereas a lot of the containers um those bloody plastic bumbo seats that's the bane of my life (laughs) another thing on um yeah oh those bumbo seats could be dangerous too I had a um again living in that remote town we had a girlfriend and um had her baby in the bumbo seat up on the kitchen bench feeding and she turned around (gasps) and the baby fell out of it and ended up falling on the floor and had to get you know the royal flying doctor serviced down to Adelaide um they're worried about you know Head injuries. Head injuries. Um, but, yeah, just in the blink of an eye, I'd flipped out of the seat and, mm-hmm. oh, that poor mum. And she's a friend of mine, bet herself up for so long after that. Um, but these things poor love, yeah. yeah. Look, they're all marketed really well. And <sighs> I was actually talking yeah. to someone in one of the baby shops and was Toys R Us and, and I'd been in there and given a talk a few years ago and they were talking about stuff being knocked off. I said, well, what's the item that gets most, you know, stolen? And they said the bumbo seat. And I went, how would you walk out of a shop with one of those? Would you go in flat stomach and walk out looking like you're pregnant or something? How would you hide a blood bumbo seat? Uh, in the bottom of the pram with a bunny rope over the top? So. I, I I don't know. It's <laughs> not that I have done that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I just go, some of the things, like they're really well marketed and they do sound convenient. I mean, you're wanting to cook dinner and you just think we'll pop our baby in a seat we'll know where they are especially if they're a bit mobile and you know that's that's what you do uh you know so it's not it's not blaming mums it's blaming the yeah. the whole um system really isn't it the yeah whole it's consumerism consumer that's saying system. mum and new mums and again i've been there we're the most some some of us are the most vulnerable aspect of society at this point in time in our life you know a play on the the want to um, give our kids, our babies, the best chance and the best start to life. Uh, they play on our guilt, <laughs> you know, mm. Um, mm. and, yeah, just on our desire to, to be the best mums and, you know, provide the best for our kids. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, our babies want us more than anything. And, you know, again, another saying I've got is you're your baby's favourite toy. So, and if you, and Love you know, so play with your baby. Look, look, just at eye time with your baby. Read to your baby. We don't need all these endless educational, even educational toys. You know, um, you, your baby wants yeah, to bond with you. Label, and that? when that's you're busy, very, like mm. I said, you're still going to get dinner on and things like that. I'll tell you a couple of things my kids love the most, and I still remember having this as a um, when I was little. We'd play with the Tupperware cupboard. One thing I'd do with my kids, I'd mm. get all the containers out on the floor with the lids and they're going to match the lid to the right container and so they're using their hands they do this as a toddler and weighing up the different sizes and getting all the lids on the different container that can keep them entertained for hours you know a tupperware can what do we do with all that plastic (laughs) i know know what i have got retro um tupperware that i found in op shops too and it's the lids all still work it still works i don't think it ever it won't buy a degrade but you can recycle you can recycle it and reuse it containers um but that that is also an example of uh, quality over quantity so when you are making Mm. purchasing decisions you could have just gone to the supermarket and got all the really cheap you know the the takeaway containers and use them for your containers but they they tend to also leach um, some phthalates and things that are in them more than better quality containers. And I'd never really advocate for heating food in plastics for that reason, but they crack and break and splinter really quickly where the the quality, and I'd, I'd 
don't really want to say brand names, but a quality item that can last for generations is a much better investment. Sure, that's still plastic. Um, I prefer the glass um, containers like the Pyrex containers these days. But, um, you know, though like I said, that's a quality item that if you use and use and use and for generations, mm. that again, there's no shame in that. It's about, again, being what you can manage steps. and again if, mm. if you've do got some of them they've been handed down to you and you don't need to go out and buy new ones that's great um for sure mm. and the other thing around the nappies you know people will say it does again it doesn't have to be all or nothing some of yeah. our local councils are actually giving a rebate when people buy cloth nappies but you know look a hundred dollars and doesn't buy a lot of cloth nappies but your cloth nappies can go down from kid to kid to kid yeah um and you don't have to be 100% with that even. You know, you might use disposables when you go out or if you're having a day where you're feeling really, really tired or whatever, you yep. could do that, you know, bits and pieces. But, you know, the cloth nappies, again, I had my kids before they were disposable nappies. So well, they were disposable nappies, but they were rubbish anyway and they all leaked, so it wasn't any point. And I just never really saw, um, you know, the need for disposable nappies and when my first daughter had her baby, I took her a dozen Terry Telling squares, all washed and yeah. lovely. She said, I am not putting those on my baby's bum. I'm using disposables. Part of me went, oh, my God. And then the other part <laughs> of me went, this is not going to hurt the baby. And yeah. I said, look, you probably won't put them on your baby's bum or you may not, but, you know, they're they've the got 101 uses. They're yeah. burp cloths. They're when the baby lies down for a kick, you know, all those sorts of things. There's loads and loads of uses for cloth nappies. And that was okay. So when her husband rang up and said she was in labour, I went up, I said, do you want me to come or not? Because I'd already said, you know, I'll come or I won't come. Whatever you want, I won't be offended. I went up there, I said, put her in the bath, turn the lights off. And I was there and she was, you know, vomiting into a bucket, leaning out of the bath. And I got my rubber gloves and bucket and put the cloth nappies and wrung them out nice and hot and put them on her back. And she went, oh. Anyway, she did find lots of uses for the cloth nappies. And yeah. when her sister was having a baby just a couple of years ago, she bought the terry toweling nappies and sent them to her sister and said, I don't expect you to put them on your baby's bum, but you will use these. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny, the turnaround. Isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I had some of those terry toweling ones, but they were burp cloths, but I used the modern cloth ones for, for the baby's bum and I, I, they're not I, that hard are they they're not, not that hard but I really appreciate you saying um you can do a hybrid so and I had a friend um that she said when her kids were in childcare, they had the disposable nappies but um when they're at home she used cloth and that was how she balanced it out and you know I just want to say to new mums particularly whatever you can do is is enough for you right now um you don't have to do everything again that perfection is not sustainable when you do try and do everything um you're literally going to burn out or your mental health is really going to suffer and that's going to more impact the people around you and and the planet you know what i mean mm. so just yeah. do what you can yeah baby yeah. steps that's all baby we steps. really need to do yeah. and what about as kids grow what you know the toy explosion sort of do? <laughs> toy explosion <laughs> Yep, yeah, and screen. as a grandparent, that's, oh, you know, yep. I mean, grandparents, like, you know, you see things, you know, oh, that would be really nice for yeah. little, little Archie. Oh, he'd love that. You know, we've, I actually, yes. We've had the talk with the grandparents quite a few times. Um, I still remember one Christmas when um, my mum, God bless her, she, um, she gave gifts to um, both my boys and we were over in Melbourne um, staying in an apartment and I put, Everything my mum mum gave my elder son, and it basically covered a full three seater couch. It was maybe like twenty books. It was like a ten pack of CDs, toys, clothes, so much. Um, I didn't. I just took a photo for my own, you know, just look how much this is. But I just had a chat with mum up and said, "Mum, you know, how about some experiences next time?" Or rather, I mean, so much love has gone to this present. We really appreciate it, but. The kids have got so much of this stuff. We'd we'd more appreciate like if you could take them to the zoo and spend some time with them or something like that. Now we were living interstate, and like so many grandparents do, you're not living near your grandkids, so um, it's hard to sometimes to spend that time. But you know, experiences are great. Or or even these days, like I said, I've got a 
gosh, a 12 and a 10-year-old now. And they they really want money or vouchers where they're then buying things that they want. And back in our generation, it would have been considered rude to even ask for that. But these days it is smart. And, and even as adults, if you are getting a voucher, um, you you spend it on something that you want as opposed to getting a gift that it's uh you don't end up using so vouchers are good experiences are great uh you know i went to guy sebastian on the weekend with my 12 year old but that was his christmas present from us the guy sebastian concert and it was incredible and he had so much fun and it wasn't just another toy or something in the house adding more stuff um Older kids are great, or even young kids, to get involved in different things around the home too, it's like taking out the recycling. If you have got a bit of a veggie patch, particularly young kids, it's great for their development, great for the environment as well, great for your household waste. And I know you want to ask me a few tips on household waste. Um, pink I do, yes. Yeah. Um, so that's that's some things as well, you know, um, growing some of your own food, but recycling your soft plastics, recycling anything that you can. Um, our biggest waste in our households are our, tend to be our food waste and our plastic waste. Uh, food waste, particularly in Australia, uh, there's been many studies on it. Australians are reported to be quite waste with food. We tend to waste about a third of the food we buy, and that can just be vegetables wilting away in the fridge that we've, you know, we were too tired and we got takeaway and we forgot about those vegetables and then they've gone mouldy or wilted. So it comes down to planning your meals better, shopping to plan, not getting overexcited by fresh things on sale and then not eating them, and then cooking to your plan as well. And getting really smart and savvy with your leftovers. So any sad-looking vegetables go in soups in my household. I even freeze black bananas, and then they come out in smoothies and banana bread. Um, I even freeze broccoli stalks, um, and they go into stocks for soups if I don't chop them up and put them in stir fries. So, you know, parts of vegetables that we don't tend to eat ourselves. So really cutting down on your food waste will cut down on your greenhouse gas emissions. It's worldwide. They're saying if food waste was a country, it would be the third largest generator of greenhouse gas emissions. So doing anything in your household wow. to reduce food waste is going to make a big impact. Um, and composting as well. Um have mm-hmm. a compost patch or bakashi bins. If you're in an apartment just under your kitchen sink, you can just compost under your kitchen sink. A great too. So that's some ways to reduce your waste there. And if you've got older kids, just bring them in on the journey. Give them a job. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes, yeah. give them a job. Yeah, yep. yeah. And veggie gardens, yeah, but even little ones love the veggie garden. They love pulling up a carrot or um, my grandsons used to have a little p- potato patch when they were mm-hmm. little and they would dig potatoes, put them in the, you know, scrounge around in the dirt with their hands to get all these potatoes, put them in the Tonka truck and then drive them, you know, across the veranda <laughs> into the kitchen and so there'd be a little trail of dirt wherever they went. But yeah. They'd bring them in a truckload of potatoes and think it was the best thing they had ever done and you know they didn't need toys they'd just go and dig in the dirt just don't (laughs) leave your toddler unsupervised amongst the cherry tomatoes which um oh he was supervised (laughs) but he just kept eating and eating and eating and what goes in comes out right and um cherry tomatoes um that can be a bit acidic they burn (laughs) oh yes (laughs) he would have been 18 months or so sitting in the cherry tomato patch and anyway a few hours later like just this cherry tomato explosion and a very red bum for a couple of days um, right so take care <laughs> yeah just it's just not something that a little baby needs to eat like 50 cherry tomatoes he just he enjoyed it he was having fun in the garden too with all those salicylates yeah <laughs> ripped yeah. up yeah so yes that food waste is a big thing. and I love the idea of um you know freezing stuff that you can put into smoothies and soups and soups aren't that hard to make either yeah. Another, you know, and neither are stocks. So if you're used Mm. to buying like stock pad or even the Tetra Pak stocks, if you've got a slow cooker, you just throw like the off cuts. So, so for example, if you're topping and tailing carrots or topping and tailing swedes and turnips and things like that, that just goes into your slow cooker with a couple of broccoli stalks, um, half an onion. You can make a vegetable stock. You know, a few liters of water, some apple cider vinegar, and just let it simmer there for. 12 hours or even overnight 
and strain it. You've got vegetable stock that can be perfect in casseroles and soups. Throw in, you know, if you've had a roast chicken, throw in the chicken bones and then you've got chicken stock. Uh, you don't need to, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll slash your family budget substantially um, by just doing little things like that too. Because, I, I, again, I used to buy those um, those liquid stock packs um, I buy a couple a week for a batch of soup, you know, like 20 years ago. And like that, that's, that's $10 a week even now. But you can just make that for free, really, just using offcuts. Mm. So whenever I'm topping and tailing vegetables, they just go in a container in the freezer and I, I make a big batch of stock at least at least once a week, just in the slow cooker overnight. It's basically a great itself. Yeah, yeah slow cookers are your, your absolute yeah. best friend, aren't they? And they say you don't need takeaways if you put your slow cooker on in the morning and you come out in the afternoon and they'll come out in the evening and dinner's there. So they're, they're yeah. good in lots of ways. Um, I always found the slow cooker hard with young kids, though. Um, I it's a bit easier for me with the older kids because in the morning with the young kids, I had to do the feeds and then we'd bundle up. Or we might have to go, you know, go out to the toddler story time or thing and be there by nine. Most activities were starting like at 9.30. I just couldn't get organised right. enough to then put a casserole yeah. on the slow cooker. Um, whereas, I mean, some of my other mum friends were excelling more in that department than me, but that's another story. It doesn't really matter. It's not a competition. But these days I do more the stocks and I'll do a roast in the slow cooker that it's basically pick pick a like a whole leg of lamb and pop it in there in 12 hours. I can put that in the morning, but still yes. just chopping in onion and, you know. And the leg of lamb will do it in five hours if you turn the slow cooker on high. Yeah, it will. Mm. Won't be yeah. quite as tender though. But No, um, no, but it's okay. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, yeah, slow cookers are worth their weight in gold too. Yeah, but that stock idea is a great idea. Yeah. Okay, so I think we've given people lots of oh uh, yeah, there's so, lots I of could, tips. I know, and, and I'm sorry, they keep going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you have, you know, you're creating this whole movement really of sustainability in the suburbs. We don't have to all live on a farm or a ten acre block to mm-hmm. be sustainable. And can you tell listeners about your new book? I've pre-ordered my one. Yes. And where they can find and follow you for more info and your podcast. Yeah, for sure. So I've been um, educating and working with primarily mums and parents for many years in my online communities. Um, But it's time to really um, just get my tips down in a book. So anyone, anywhere can really just get that information and how to make their own households more sustainable. And that's why I'm writing Sustainability in the Suburbs. Uh, it's for available for pre-order at the moment. My draft is first draft's going to the editor in a couple of weeks, which I'm really excited, but it will be out by Christmas this year. And you can pre-order that. Just um, follow the links at lauratrotter.com and that's T-R-O-T-T-A is my surname. So lauratrotter.com and it'll be on the, the landing page there. You can just follow the links and pre-order your copy of the book there. Of course, I've got my um, EcoChat Sustainability Podcast. It's now in its seventh year or so. You can um, just look that up in Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, just search EcoChat or Laura Trotter. Or again, just go to my website, lauratrotter.com and follow the links. And yeah, plenty of blogs, heaps of tips and also information about my online programs at lauratrotter.com as well. And you've got some free downloadables. So I'll put links to all yes. that in the show notes. Plenty of free downloadables. There's like a five-day green cleaning challenge if you want to reduce toxins in your home um there's plastic free challenge there's lots of um cheat sheets on different things as well so you can get access to all of them at my website that'll be in the show notes just because sometimes you haven't got a pen while you're you might be walking or feeding a baby or doing something like that so Mm. you can have a look later and before we finish i want to ask you a question that i ask all of our guests can you share one of your tits up moments as a mum there's been so many um but I I think one that I think your leaders would appreciate was this was with my first son when I was still you know trying to be a little bit too good you know as a mum I was going for a gold medal or something so he was about nine ten months and I was you know embracing baby led weaning and it was a beautiful spring day so I'd popped him out on the patio in the backyard up in his high chair and I'd made these um, homemade organic um meatballs with a nice tomato sauce and so I popped him out there on his um tray so he could just help himself and then I took a 
took a photo of the most magical parenting moment. Very proud of myself. My son was feeding himself for one of the first times because I had a midwife mother who was pushing the rice, you know, whatever that rice meal is. Yeah, so I had to wean him onto that first to keep everyone happy. Second child, I just did baby blood weaning from the start. But anyway, back to the story. So he was sitting outside um, undercover, but beautiful spring day, having his meatballs. I thought, now's my time to duck into the kitchen and get my lunch. So I went in, got my lunch, came out to have my lunch with my beautiful baby and watching him eat the meatballs. I'm looking and thinking, the meatballs are moving. What's going on? That the meatballs literally had maggots all over them. In the time that I'd gone in to get my lunch, a big blowfly had come, landed on the meatballs, let go of these maggots. Oh my and my God. son was baby led weeding these beautiful organic meatballs with a delicious tomato sauce with maggots. Oh, crap. <laughs> super Texas. God. Yes, you live in Australia, obviously, in hot weather. And yeah. Yep. I earned my stripes that day and it was a bit mm. of a, you know, bit of a come down moment. Look, Laura, just stop trying so hard. Yeah. Mm, not really an Instagram moment. <laughs> oh, <hell>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Take I laugh about it now. Pressure. In fact, I did laugh about it later that day, but, you know, I think I grabbed them off him quickly and trying to flick them off and he was like, like a bit shocked. What's going on? Why are you taking my food? But, dinner. <laughs> yeah, I think he was quite enjoying them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Extra protein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, he survived. Oh, yeah. He's still there. He's 12. Yeah. So he's, yeah. It's okay. He's, he's eating me yeah. out of house and home now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank you for all this wealth of information. And before I finish, the other thing is your best tip for being the mother you want to be. Yeah. We've already shared probably my number one throughout the podcast many times, and that's perfection is not sustainable. And um, I love that one so much because sustainability is about so much what uh, my core values in life, but it, it's a term that embraces everything as well. So that's the first one I want to leave you with. And if I can be greedy, I grab another one. Um, mm. And this also spreads into uh, our consumption and what we buy, but it's everything about being a mum as well. And it's quality, not quantity and this also comes down to the time that we spend with our children and I was one of those mums that really beat myself up for when I was working and maybe not as present with my kids and things like that and one of the mums at our local coffee morning said that to me look Laura it's not about the quantity it's about the quality like when you are with your kids just really try and be present and they're, they're just going to love you for that. Like, so it's really just trying not to, you know, we've got so many distractions, you know, I'm the bright, shiny light girl. I get distracted too. Um, and these days, you know, if I'm away for work or away for a weekend on a book writing retreat, which I'm doing soon, I'm just making sure that when I come back to my family, I plug back into my kids and spend some quality time with them. It might be reading a book, might be going for a walk, you know, and I have to be perfect every minute of my parenting journey. I'm far from it but I'm just trying to capture these moments where it's, you know, quality over quantity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you learn to hone in, don't you, when your kids need you more because there'll be times yeah. when the needs are higher. So you do need to hone in and yeah. put that and put when they're sick, that that's time. Top up. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, one had a migraine yesterday and just said, mum, can you sit, sit on the bed, stay with me? And I stayed with him. Mm. That's... And work will wait. Yeah. Work will always wait. We'll be there right when, you know, it'll be all right. They're waiting for you when you get back to it or the, the mess or whatever it'll all be there when you get back uh, to it the but mess the mess is just always there we're just, <laughs> I think you get better and better at putting on your blinkers and not worrying too much yeah yeah those those little people and being present but you don't have to be 100 percent at all yeah if you don't yeah that's that that's just my lessons in motherhood so far but I'm still learning absolutely never stops yeah. never <laughs> stops I'll make more mistakes <laughs> There just won't be any more maggot moments because um, I'm on that now. <laughs> We're on that. You've learned that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, thanks, Laura. Tits up, ladies. Pull up your big girl pants. We can do this. We are mothers. In the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners and custodians of this country and their connection to land, 
water and community. We pay our respect to them, their cultures and customs, and to elders past, present and emerging. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tits Up. This podcast was produced by Dave Stokes. For more information, connections with our guests and special offers from our show sponsors, please pop over to my website and check out the show notes, www.pinkymccabe.com. I would love it if you could please share the love by leaving a review. Five-star reviews will help other mums to find this support and information too.